there. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to make sure that you know about three pretty cool changes I've made to my two signature e-courses, Marriage Methods for Women in Difficult Marriages and Heartbreak to Hope for Women Who Are Separated or Divorced. Change number one, you can now pay whatever you can afford for either of these courses. I don't want money to get in the way of your healing. Change number two, you can now decide between receiving the content weekly for 12 weeks or in a guidebook PDF upon purchase. And change number three, if you have a friend or family member in your life who is in a difficult marriage or going through a divorce, you can now give either of these courses as a gift. See, I told you these were cool changes. Check the links in the show notes to order today. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff, A, because I've been through a lot of it, B, because most of you have too, and C, because I believe that we have a loving God who wants wholeness and holiness and yes, even happiness in and for our relationships. Today, I'm going to share a few of my best tips of how to have a sweet and good and strong marriage. And I come with much experience of how not to have that kind of marriage, as well as how to not be the best wife, with more recent experience of how to have a sweet and good and strong marriage. And hopefully, I am a better wife this time around. My marriage to Richard is not perfect, and I am not perfect, but it's better than I expected it to be. Um, an important foundational truth that I think will set you up and um, change things and has helped me. I can't even tell you how much in this marriage of mine, my second marriage, is this foundational truth um, that you can remind yourself of daily that you are already completely loved and You don't need to look for affirmation and affection and love from your spouse because you came into the world loved and you start each day loved. So your heart is already full and therefore you don't need to beg your spouse to fill you up. Um, I do not believe in quote unquote soulmates. I do not believe that two people like complete each other. I feel like that's a romantic or a cultural notion. And this is, it's so key to realize that you come into not just a marriage relationship, but really every relationship, you come into it already loved. And um, if this is something that you struggle with, or it's a thought you've, it's never crossed your mind, maybe listen to episode two called Living Loved after this one, or even press pause and go listen to that first. Okay, so a couple caveats. First of all, if you are not married and you are listening to this, I would say that there are, I'm kind of scanning the list here. There are a handful of these that you could apply to pretty much any relationship. I'm going to give you credit knowing which ones are marriage specific and which ones are relationship general. Um, But all of these are good things that you can learn, that you can share with others, that you can um, put into practice in your life in most of your relationships. Another caveat 
though all of these things could help in marriages with adultery or abuse or addiction, those kinds of marriages are a different breed. I talk about that all the time and they could benefit from a different kind of list. And I will um, put a link in the show notes to my um, specific category of different difficult marriage on my blog. So if that's where you find yourself, you can go there. But again, most of these could still be kind of used in that kind of marriage. So the, but the marriage I have in mind for this specific list are those that are mostly healthy and are maybe struggling, but in not necessarily destructive or toxic ways. Okay. So number one, um, pray, 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 um, pray for yourself. Pray to be loving, pray to be compassionate, to be empathetic, to be humble and teachable. Pray to be someone who is easily forgiving and hard to offend. Pray to be healed from your own stuff. Pray to be reparented by God. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse to be filled with every spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and relational blessing. Pray for your spouse to be healed. Pray for your spouse to be reparented by God. And pray for your marriage. Pray for things like unity, for your hearts to be knitted together, for strength, for wisdom, for God to shepherd you, for God to heal you as a unit. Pray for protection from the enemy. A reminder here, we have an enemy and he does not like marriages that are loving and tender and kind. Pray to become each other's friend. If you don't feel like you are friends right now, if you are feeling like you are so far apart that friendship hasn't been like even a thought, pray to become each other's friend again. And even pray to be a light to others. Number two, it's better to be kind than right. Choose your words wisely and speak them carefully. I know I've said this before. In my 20s and 30s, I probably said 75 to 90% of what I was thinking and feeling when I was thinking and feeling it. And I would say now, 40s and 50s, I probably say only about 25% of what I'm thinking and feeling. And even then, I try not to just blurt. Neutral things, that's one thing. Positive things, that's another thing. Blurt away. Negative things, I try to take a beat. Remember, you don't have to say everything you are thinking and feeling when you're thinking and feeling it. And I want to be really clear here. I'm not talking about um, diminishing yourself 
or not speaking up for what you believe is right. I'm talking about the blurting. I'm talking about hurting when you're hurting, hurting someone else in your hurt with your words. Maybe think of it this way. Um, You don't have to apologize for words that you don't say. So number two, it's better to be kind than right. Number three, this is a hard one. If you hear yourself saying the same thing over and over to your spouse with no changes, perhaps ask yourself if what you're trying to do is change or control your spouse and perhaps pray about this thing instead. This was a principle I learned in recovery and um, in Al-Anon it talks about like, absolutely. You are allowed to say what, you know, what you're thinking and feeling um, one time again, respectfully, but if you find yourself saying it two or three, oh my gosh, or a hundred times, it's nagging and it's an attempt at control. When I read that the first time about 15 years ago, I was so, first of all, blown away. Um, and secondly, convicted that I needed to work on that. And conversely, if you are possibly doing something that is hurting your spouse and they have told you that you are maybe more than once, bring that thing to God and be open to owning your stuff and apologizing and trying to change. Yeah, this takes so much humility. Here's where I used to get tripped up. In my mind, in the first marriage, I might even, I'm trying to think if I still kind of have this mindset. It's not nearly as much as it used to be. But I would think you're doing this, this, and this, and you have the gall to tell me about my little thing. That's not the... That's not the right attitude to have. If you hear yourself saying these things, that's when you need to kind of press pause, bring it to God and ask him to be open to seeing what the specs are, the logs are in your own eye. So truly listening plus genuinely apologizing plus sincerely attempting to course correct go such a long way in a healthy relationship. Number four, allow your spouse to be himself. Now, to be clear, I am not saying that if he is in sin or he is repeatedly hurting you, if he is abusing you, if he is in active addiction, if he is being unfaithful, that you look the other way. That's not what I'm talking about here. If it's a sin issue or if he is actively hurting you, call it out prayerfully and gently. But if it's a quirk, if it's a personality difference, to the best of your ability, try to let it go. Also, when I say this, I'm trying to think of an example. I have a very specific example about this. Um, In my first marriage, I had 
such a rigid picture of what a Christian marriage should look like, what the roles of husband and wife should look like. Um, and there were a handful of things that I, I believed to my core that my then husband should be doing daily and probably every day that he didn't do them, I was upset and was just building resentment. And I have no doubt that I pointed out to him on a fairly regular basis, basically all the ways I felt he was failing. Now, I might have felt justified because they were like genuinely good biblical things. But I've just, as I've gotten older, um, I just don't think shame is what changes people. Control and criticism that is harsh, that is repeated, that does not tend to bring about change. Um, Prayer does. Saying something gently once, maybe twice, can. With something like a, can I make a suggestion? That gives them the, the ability to say yes or no. Um, and one of the things I even put in my marriage vows with Richard was something along the lines of, um, I am not your Holy Spirit. You already have one. And I promise to let you be yourself. And if he were sitting here, I would ask him if he felt that. And I'm, I'm hoping he would feel that I support who he is. Um, I affirm him. And unless it's huge, I really genuinely try not to tell him what to do because he is a grown man and I am not his mother, his judge, his parole officer, or his Holy Spirit. So again, unless it's a sin issue or you are being hurt repeatedly, Try to let the littler things go, choose your battles, and allow your husband to be himself. Number five, get counseling together or individually or both. During my first marriage, we were in and out of counseling. We had nine counselors. Um, Didn't always work that great. It does take two. Um, But one thing that I started to do that was helpful towards the end of my first marriage was I started marriage counseling by myself and I put the focus on how and what I could change. Um, Richard and I have talked about this, so I'm not saying anything that uh, he wouldn't want me to say, but he and I have done a few stints of counseling. Um, Remarriage and blended family issues are complicated, more complicated than I think is usually talked about. And um, doing counseling together and individually has been remarkably helpful. There is zero shame in um, needing outside help and an outside perspective. There is something really interesting and beautiful and mysterious about a third party 
kind of being able to see in a way, um, see different angles that you are able to see. So number five, get some counseling. Number six, this one can be a fun one. Um, learn about yourself and learn about each other. You can do a variety of personality type tests, which I will link in the show notes, but things like what are each of your Enneagram numbers and how do those two relate to each other? What's your attachment style? I'm telling you, this was probably maybe three or so years ago, three or four years ago that Richard and I took the attachment style, the how we love um, assessment. It was mind blowing. I thought that our, um, first of all, thankfully he and I get along really, really well, which is still like I pinched myself. I came from my first relationship that was conflict habitual and we argued so much. It's embarrassing. Um, and now I would say that it's maybe every gosh, four to six or eight weeks that he and I have something. Um, but I realized we had a pattern and the attachment style assessment helped us figure out um, how, if we were securely attached or insecurely attached, and if we were insecurely attached, which of the, I think there's four, four or five that people tend to fall into, um, which one of them we were. And then it showed us in the book, there is a book, it showed us in the book that our pairing up was actually one of the more common pairings. And it literally showed like a circle diagram of how, what our conflict looks like. And even if we learned nothing else, just seeing on paper that the way that we interacted during conflict was one of the more common ones, like in the world was normalizing. It calmed me down. Um, It was really, really helpful, hugely helpful. Um, Another one is love languages. I'm sure y'all have heard of that. Um, We tend to show love in the way that we most perceive being loved. And if we are loving, we are, if we are in a relationship, this also could be parent, child, friendship, that kind of a thing. If we are in any kind of friendship or relationship with someone who has a different love language than we do, they might be completely missing our attempts at showing them that we love them if theirs is something different. So fascinating stuff. Um, another one would be introvert versus extrovert. Simply knowing that about your partner. Hugely helpful. You can show so much grace. It helps you navigate things better, um, have compassion for each other. Another, um, which I think maybe falls under the attachment styles, is whether you are an internal or external processor. Again, hugely Um, it was just like a revelation when I realized how Richard and I are wired up like that. Okay. Also keep learning about each other by asking good questions. So when he and I are out on dates, 
we will sometimes either like pull up a list of questions online, like literally we'll type in like good date questions or good questions for spouses to ask each other. Um, or one of us will say something like, um, tell me a story of what you were like when you were 10 or what did it feel like when you first became a dad or who were your best friends in high school, that kind of thing. So keep learning about each other. Number seven, ask yourself, how can I make my spouse's life better, easier, and sweeter? Then actually do the things that will accomplish those things. Um, they don't have to be huge, but let's see um, how some ways that I do this. Um, I, I don't drink coffee, but I make Richard's coffee the night before. I learned how to make coffee um, so that I could get his coffee ready for him in the morning. I will make his lunches. I will, I know this is going to make me sound like I'm mothering. I will set out his vitamins and his supplements. Um, uh, things like that. I will try to make his life a little bit easier and sweeter and better. Um, things he does for me. Well, pretty much any handyman stuff around the house he does, which is amazing. I wouldn't know how to do any of those things. Um, he will occasionally get me sweet little gifts um, just because he absolutely spoils me. Um, so anyway, all that to say, all that to say, I do say that a lot, don't I? Um, so asking yourself, how can I make my husband's life better or easier or sweeter? Here's another thing. Another trap you need to be careful of is some of you who are, struggling right now might think, well, he hasn't made my life better, easier, sweeter, and I don't know how long. Yep. Okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. You have no idea how much I get it, but there is a softening that can come when we serve. Um, and when we pray for someone who maybe isn't putting in the effort. And again, I want to make this clear that um, if your marriage right now has adultery or abuse or addiction or those kinds of things, you need a different kind of help. And so I want to be really clear that I'm not just telling you to, to you know, I'm not patting you on the head and giving you a list of 10 things that you need to work on while he keeps drinking and cheating on you and yelling at you. That's not what I'm talking about here. But if you're in a funk, um, if you feel far apart, if there isn't adultery or abuse or addiction, then it is okay to humble yourself and take some steps towards him. Um, number eight, try to find something you enjoy doing together. Richard and I have a couple of things. Um, we both like to, um, go out on dates <laughs> together, which is great. Um, we love, we haven't done this in a while, but that was more because of the pandemic. Um, but we used to go picking together, like antiquing kind of a thing. He does that now more for our, our side business. Um, 
drive-in movies or the regular movies or walks, things like that. So finding something you enjoy doing together. Um, number nine, affection, um, holding hands, hugging, kissing, cuddling on the couch, cuddling in the morning, right before you both get out of bed, cuddling right before you fall asleep. It is amazing what that kind of gentle, and I'm not, I'm talking non-sexual touch, what that can do to strengthen and rekindle a bond. And again, you may need to be the initiator on some of these things and that's okay. It really is okay. If you can set aside the whole, what some of us maybe kind of grew up with of he's the leader um, or he's supposed to be the initiator. I'm supposed to be the responder. You just might need to take the first couple steps. Number 10, say a lot of specific thank yous for what your spouse does for you, what he does for others, who they are as a person. Um, you could do this verbally. I try to thank Richard at least once a day for something. I try for it to be specific. Um, I will sometimes say thank you for the same thing several times to make sure it's getting in. Um, you could do it over text. You can leave a little note. But gratitude um, can also soften each other's hearts towards each other. And if right now you're in such a, a hard place, you know, you can even just say things like, thank you for going to work today. Um, thanks for taking out the trash. Thanks for being a good dad. So it doesn't have to be these huge things, but if you can think of even one or two things that you can genuinely thank him for, I think gratitude is super important. Okay, so in the show notes, I'm going to list several things. Resources for if your marriage is harder than the average hard. Um because I don't want you to be discouraged after hearing this list. I'm going to share a link to my e-course um, Remarriage Ref for those of you who have taken that plunge again, and you might have been a little bit surprised on how much more difficult it has turned out to be. Um, I will also put links to the Enneagram assessment, to the Attachment Styles assessment, to Love Languages quiz, um, to the introvert versus extrovert quiz. And as always, girls, um, if you have any questions on any topic that you would like me to tackle, you can message me through the podcast. You can also share this episode, subscribe to it. You can review it. You can rate it. You can even support it. All of which means so much to me. And thank you to all of you who have done that so, so far. So sweet ones, all that to say, no matter your marital status or the state of your marriage, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day 
already completely loved, already filled up with love. And so therefore you have no other loves to beg for, which include from your husband or your fiance or your boyfriend or anyone that you are just starting to date or whatever. No loves to beg for. And you've got nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love.